The uh, passage of scripture that uh, Ali read to us um, is actually towards the end of Jesus' life. It's at the Last Supper. So these are some of the last words that he speaks uh, and they're relevant to us uh, in a volatile world at the beginning of a, of a new decade. They're relevant to us. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world through his resurrection and his resurrection life that is possible for all of us. One of my favorite parts in any movie is seeing how a resolution happens. You want to see something that makes you say, yeah, this is a good outcome. Apollo 13, really good movie. And at the end, you kind of wonder, well, you know that they make it, but um, there's still that very clever tension that the director has, has put into that. And you're waiting, just waiting for the word from Armstrong just to come through the atmosphere, the word to say that, you know, here we are. Um, the, the, the final action, or in French they call it the denouement, the moment, the moment of resolution, very important. So what does Jesus say to inspire his disciples as he's coming to the end of his life? In this world you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus. We often associate that kind of trouble, though, with facing the difficult consequences of our own choices. But Jesus is not specifically talking about that kind of trouble. He is mainly talking about pressures from the world outside. Now, he uses a Greek word here, or we have a Greek word in this translation, I should rather say, which is that, isn't that a lovely word? Not flip-flops. Say it to the person next to you, say flipsis. Yeah, I could, I could tell you were wanting to say it. I could, I could hear a few S's here and there. It's a Greek word meaning a crushing weight, pressure, suffering from outside that makes you feel physically weighed down. We can, we can extend flipsis to one another when things aren't going quite right. It's a kind of trouble or suffering that comes from the difficulties of the world around us. A great way to picture this is through the idea of undue weight or something literally pressing upon you like swimming against the waves. I got caught in a riptide in Australia a few years ago. Thankfully, I can swim fairly strongly. But um, I was out there, Carolyn and I, was, it was 7.30 one morning. It was beautiful, but the weather was due to come in. Uh, and so at 7.30, we went across to the beach uh, on the Gold Coast. There was just the two of us on the beach. Carolyn brought a book because she wasn't going to go in the, in the water that early. Uh, and so she brought a book and sat on a towel and started reading. And I actually went in and dived into these waves. I dived time and time again because I was just loving it. And then all of a sudden, without thinking, I realized that my feet could not touch the bottom. And I thought, oh, I'm, the coast is getting further and further away. So I waved to Carolyn, and she waved back. <clears throat> Thanks. Uh, but eventually, I, I sort of remembered, in situations like that, you don't swim straight for the shortest point in the shore. You have to swim against the way the current is coming towards you. It may be a slightly longer swim, but it will be easier. And so that's what I did, and eventually my toe touched the bottom. It was something that was pulling me to a place that I really didn't want to go. Like 
something that would gravitationally pull you away from the God life. And if you follow Jesus for any length of time, you know this to be true. Work peer pressures can weigh heavily and pull us towards all kinds of temptations or ambitions, sins which bring their own problems and will eventually take us out of our depth. Do you remember when Jesus healed the paralyzed man on the Sabbath? He picks up his mat, he walks just as Jesus told him. It's all great until the Pharisees turn up and berate him for breaking the Sabbath law. Life looks good until wham, there's flipsis. External pressure which caused inner turmoil, which was so sad. Peter gets out of the boat thinking his faith in Jesus thing is great and he realizes he's put himself in the middle of a lake, in the middle of a storm where others have died and he feels pressure and he sinks. That's flipsis. So what has this to do with being a life giver? Well, if we're to offer Christ's life, and here's a great word for Paul and for all who are soldiers, we need to get rid of the confusion that offering life, talking to people about Jesus, can only be done if our life is without trouble. When Jesus says that in this world we will have flipsis, he confronts us with the reality that not everything in life is going to go as we hope for this year. Not everything is going to turn out as expected. He insists that we start at a point of acknowledgement. But of course, he does not end it there. He doesn't just say, in this world you will have trouble. Praise the Lord, there is a resolution. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus knew the cross was coming and he basically says to us, I'm not going to just redirect evil, I'm going to show that it can be stopped at its source. And so the cross changes the entire fabric of human history. Resurrection, hope, newness is created. Because when that flipsis of the world becomes so great, as we've seen in recent times politically, then we can discover a Holy Spirit kind of counter-gravity that pulls people toward justice and righteousness and mercy and grace. And you do see that. You see, you see that something counter to that happens. There are, I heard of a group yesterday. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It was something against hatred, trying to form a group that is going against the hatred that is kind of... Uh, prevalent in so many places. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. God's Holy Spirit is creatively moving, wooing, directing, and redirecting. If you're a Christian, you'll believe that with all your heart. You'll believe it in terms of your own life. You'll believe it in terms of the church. Fresh, fresh Expressions is just one small example of that. There is positive stuff. It's easy to think uh, that hope is being eroded in the world in these days. The news media would have you believe that. There are writers now, there's one called Steven Pinker, who's not particularly a Christian, but he is saying we are actually living in the best times in all of history. There is so much good about this world. We don't see it every day. Perhaps it is this then. Perhaps it's not that there is more evil but that perhaps evil is kind of running out of air. It's running out of the oxygen it needs, and so it's kicking and screaming as it does so. 
It feels more obvious because of that kicking and screaming. It feels more dangerous, not because it's winning, but because it's suffocating. Are you with me? Are you with me? You're on, you're on, you're on to this. You're hearing what I'm saying. It's worth thinking about. Our reading says that any death is not the last word. As dark as the news might be, an encounter with Jesus will suffocate the bad, will suffocate the sin and the evil. So you will have trouble, but you know how to suffocate it. I have told you these things that you may have peace. Romans 8.13, if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. In one of our core many years ago, we had a lady called Dora. She was about six foot two. She had hands like dinner plates. I think I might have told you about it. And she used to shake my hand every Sunday morning as I used to stand there. And <laughs> my hands were absolutely uh, ruined, pretty much. Um, but just sometimes, just sometimes, I would say, how are you, Dora? And she'd say, oh, good, bad, and ugly. I prayed those words a bit earlier on in the meeting. She'd say, good, bad, and ugly. So I said, well, you know what I'm going to say to you, don't you, Dora? She says, yes, I do, Richard. I know what you're going to say. I said, what am I going to say? She said, you take the bad and the ugly to the cross. And I used to say that. Whenever she said good, bad, and ugly, I would say, well, take the bad and the ugly. Have the guts to take the bad and the ugly. And, you know, she was such a faithful, lovely lady. And she would do that. But a few weeks later, she'd say it was good, bad, and ugly. The peace Jesus gives is not the absence of conflict. It is the presence of God in the face of trouble. The peace Jesus gives is not the absence of conflict. It is the face and the presence of God in the face of trouble. So let me illustrate this practically. When an addict discovers healing, there is less air for evil to breathe. When someone who's rich starts to measure their life not by what they have, but what they can give away. There is less air for evil to breathe. When someone who can't look at themselves in the mirror because of the past, discovers afresh that God created them and loves them, and when they begin to see themselves as God does, there is less air for evil to breathe. When you and I put a wrong right that is with others, there's a beautiful release and less air for evil to breathe. More room for us to truly live as we should. John 10.10 10, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Why live? Why live a substandard life? So in 2020, friends, be that life giver. One more personal illustration. Years ago, I was at school in South Africa. I was a schoolboy in the <clears throat> early 70s, um, and uh, it was at the time of national conscription at the school. And so every single high school out there uh, used to do what was called military training. John Clark would have loved it. Um, pretty much every week we would go out onto the training field of the school, which doubled as rugby pitches and cricket pitches particularly out there. But there were huge grounds that this school had. It was a very good school, huge, huge, huge grounds. Um, and once a year, the South African army would come, uh, military guys from the South African, and they'd put us through our paces. And so we would all be in platoons of about 30-odd, and we would do the marchy thing. So I had, I had five, four or five years of military training with South African 
uh, with the South African army. Uh, but once a year, these guys would come, and they were great big brutes of men. And they would stand in 10 different places around this enormous ground, and each platoon would go, uh, and uh, they, they would do it on a kind of circular basis. Uh, and we would go and have some military training with these uh, proper army guys. And I remember once, my very first year, we were standing there and we were standing at ease. And they said, boys, stand easy. We stood easy. And then he said, this morning, I am going to show you. It was a mandolin, I thought I heard. He said, this morning, I am going to show you how to kill a man. The boy's going, like that. And I thought, what? And he said, uh, could I have a volunteer? <laughs> that was my reaction. No one else's. Mine only. The lad from England, the smart-talking bloke. I just went, oh, very good. You will be my volunteer. <laughs> Where are you from, boy? I'm from London, actually. Oh, you will be my volunteer. And before I knew it, I was face down on the ground with this enormous great knee sticking in my back and a couple of hands around my head. I realized slightly what it might be like to have the air crushed out of my body. But you don't need to physically go through that experience to realize that life can be squeezed from you because you can actually kill someone who's still living through unkindness, love, pride, silence, lack of love, that should be, barbed words, that kind of pride that doesn't stand down. I've counseled many people who feel dead inside because somebody else is killing them. Are you killing somebody or are you being killed by somebody or both? Mother Teresa said, let no one come to you without leaving feeling better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness. In 2020, you may well experience what feels like life-crushing flipsis. It may feel like you're traveling against the current. All kinds of stuff may happen that will try and pull you away from God. But Christ's words assure you that you have Holy Spirit strength to squeeze the life out of something that is wrong in your life. Do not give in. And at the start of this year, I urge every one of you to put to death anything that is causing that. Don't we believe in the resolution of Calvary? Sometimes we have to summon the spiritual guts, the strength, the big humility to love someone we find it hard to love, to forgive someone or to be forgiven ourselves. How can we carry burdens alone and still be effective servants of Christ? We come here, we say these things, we sing these things. Mark on, uh, on Thursday at Thursday devotions at the Songster rehearsal set out the challenge to live out the words that we sing, challenge to him, challenge to us. Great thing to do in the new year. Somebody has said that life-giving is releasing God's grace through surrendered obedience. And so we look at the cross. We acknowledge that Christ has overcome the world and secured the outcome. Amen. This means that we can step out in faith, offering God's love 
and Christ's life in a troubled world. Let's pray together. We're going to sing, beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior. I don't want this to be just words. I want us to live out what we learn, what we read in the Bible, what we sing, what we say through loving action, through being big enough to put stuff behind us and to start again. I pray this year might be all that God wants for you all, that you'll all stay close to him, that you'll all stay close to each other. You know the glory of the outcome. So you can discern those outward pressures. Stop squeezing the life out of someone else. Stop having the life squeezed out of you. Put it right. Just pray and pray. Lord, we sometimes struggle to hear these words that you've spoken, to accept that there will be troubles ahead, that our lives may not go as we might plan. So we confess that we are often more concerned with ourselves than the lives of others. So let us hear your gospel today. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. You've overcome sin and hate and greed and violence all that stands against you. So we have little to fear and nothing to lose. Help us live in the light of this good news in our homes, our families, our work, our relationships, in all that we say, in all that we do. Okay, let's just listen. Let's just sing this, if you'd like to sing this.